1: Hey, it's Darren here, the producer of the show, and we have a great episode coming up for you in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about tomorrow's show on Business Lunch with Roland Fraser. We recorded an amazing episode with the author Tucker Max, who wrote books like I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. In the episode, Tucker shares his hysterical, comical origin story, including how he hacked law school, got fired multiple times, got sued, and all kinds of other shenanigans. But then, Roland and Tucker get to the turning point in the story where Tucker discovered that he had the chance to solve other people's problems. And that was the beginning of a journey that led him to running a seven-figure company called Scribe and uh, working with you know a thousand authors and all kinds of other amazing things so it's a great episode it's really funny but it's also really moving and it contains a lot of great wisdom too so i hope you can check it out it's business lunch with roland Fraser on apple podcasts all right back to you molly
2: you're listening to perpetual traffic Hello everybody, Molly Pippen here and I would like to welcome you to episode 192 of Perpetual Traffic. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Today I am joined with two very special guests that I can't wait to introduce you to. Their names are Chris and Nick Harder. And I actually reached out to Chris on Instagram a few months ago. I don't know how I came about following Chris on Instagram, probably through some of the information we're going to share today. But I was blown away by his Instagram, not just the amount of followers that he has but how he was engaging with his audience. And so I reached out to Chris. I said, hey, you don't know me, but I would love to have you on Perpetual Traffic. And Chris, you were so kind. You said yes. (laughs) And then Chris asked me to speak at his For the Love of Money Mastermind about a month ago in Santa Monica. And I posted about this on Instagram, but I truly believe that was one of the best speaking experiences that I have ever had. And Chris, Nick, I think a big reason for that is just the energy in the room. I hadn't met any of your mastermind members before. I hadn't even met you guys in person before. And I show up to do this two-hour digital marketing workshop, and it was just one of the best speaking experiences I've ever had. Not just how you guys made me feel, but I felt so fulfilled in the information that I shared with your audience. So thank you for that. Chris, Nick, hey guys, thanks for coming on!
3: Thank you. Yeah, Our attendees absolutely loved you. You got you were like the hit of the weekend. So thank you, you so much rushed it yeah. seriously like they walked away with so much knowledge.
4: Yeah. And uh, quite honestly, it's stuff that sometimes can be presented in a dry way and you kept their attention so well. And they left extraordinarily better marketers because of it. So thank you.
2: Well, thank you. And now I have relationships with some of your mastermind members that I message with or email and I just so appreciate that. So Chris, Nick, you guys are brothers, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> cool. I remember the first time I was like, "Are th- they're brothers? That's cool. They work together. So have you guys always worked together?
4: We've probably been working together for, what would you say now, Nick, seven years?
3: Yeah, it's about six or seven years
4: on this brand. Yeah. Yep. And you know, a lot of people recommend against working with your family. And I've got very cautionary feelings about working with your family as a general recommendation. But it really mm-hmm. works out for us because first of all, we sound the same. So this is Chris talking, but <laughs> um, here's kind of what works so well for us is Nick, even though we're raised in the same family in the same household is literally the polar opposite of me. So, I love to dream up big ideas, and I love to move quickly, and I love to Mm -hmm. throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. And Nick is the opposite. Nick loves to move with caution. Pump the brakes. Pump the (laughs) brakes. He likes to be methodical about things, and he loves the details. And so all of my weaknesses, because those things are my glaring weaknesses, Nick Nick (laughs) happens to be really good at, right? And so to find somebody, and here's the clincher, to find somebody that you can trust and that you know has your best outcome in mind because you have that base core relationship of being brothers who love each other when you can find somebody who you can trust at that level and they happen to be good at all your weaknesses that in itself is the home run and that's why it works out so good for us
2: Wow, Chris, so well said. And this is a topic I feel passionately about. I've had some firsthand experience with this in the last year. My business partner, Ezra Firestone, he grew up on an alternative living experiment is what he calls it. He grew up on a commune in Hawaii. And so his idea of family is much different, right? It's not just his immediate family, but he has a lot of brothers and sisters that he grew up with. And I've had the opportunity to now work with Smart Marketer. And I would say about half of Ezra's 50 plus employees are his family. And people will ask, how does that work? You know, I've heard that you shouldn't do that, right? This could cause problems. And Ezra says the same thing. He's like, guys, there's an amount of trust and understanding that I have with these people that makes our business relationships stronger. So I think that's something that's changing, especially with the internet and just with the new age. I think people are realizing that it's not always a bad thing to work with your family and friends. I'll be
4: honest. It is no different than any other working relationship when you break down the things that make a working relationship work. And that is strong communication, right? Put out the smoke. Mm -hmm. Don't wait till it's a big fire. And setting boundaries and showing, you know, adoration and respect for the job that each other do. I think if you have those as your core fundamentals in any working relationship, family or not, it's going to be a pretty successful one.
2: Absolutely. And I think the benefit of family is that a lot of those elements you just described are already built into the relationship. So those don't have to be learned. You've already practiced those and you're ready to continue to practice them throughout the business relationship. Well, cool, guys. Thanks again for coming on. Can you guys just give us a brief overview of your business and how you got here. I know there are lots of components. you got a mastermind. You have a podcast. I know that Lori, your wife, Chris, she has her own business. She has a live event for women. She has books. I love looking at your alls. I would call it an empire. But just for the listener to get to know you all better, how do you even describe what you guys do?
4: I'll give kind of the generic description and I'll let Nick fill in some of the details from his perspective. So I would say that... Our businesses, Lori's, which happens to be my wife and mine, they just aim to help people. I aim to help entrepreneurs. And Lori really aims to help women or really anyone for that matter with self-love. And what we do is we find a way to serve our audience in multiple different ways. Like you mentioned the the masterminds and online programs and membership programs and e-courses and live events, you name it, because we love to serve in all those ways. And the more that you serve your audience, then of course, in return, the more that you can monetize it. And it just kind mm-hmm. of grows from there. But do you the honest fact about our businesses? Lori and I have plenty of ideas <laughs> on how to help people. None of them would ever come to fruition without Nick actually doing the do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's been really cool to see. And actually, it all kind of started with Lori seven years ago, launching her first event.
2: And that's called The Bliss Project, right? Yeah.
3: Yep. In fact, we just wrapped up our seventh one last weekend, actually. So we're all recovering from it.
2: (laughs) I know how that feels. (laughs) Yeah, right?
3: You've been on the same thing. It's been crazy. They came to me and asked if I would be able to help them with the event. And they asked me a couple of months prior to (laughs) kicking the event off. And at the time, I was working in television and coordinating a large TV show. So I felt pretty confident in doing that. And they had the trust in me that we could figure it all out together. And to see where it's gone from there to last weekend is just night and day. It's pretty awesome to see how it's really grown into just... I would say one of the best events I've ever seen and ever been a part of. And a lot of the feedback has been the same. So it's been pretty cool. I remember the time when I knew that we needed to work with Nick for sure. Like I I remember the time when in my
4: mind it switched (laughs) from just this event to, wait a minute, he's our missing piece. And that was when we had our first meeting for the event. And he showed up with this, I don't even know what you call it, Nick. That's how non-detail oriented I am. But this huge (laughs) spreadsheet of times (laughs) and who's going to be where and everything else. And this was the most impressive document I've ever seen in my life. And that was the moment, I kid you not, they realized, wait a second, we're on to something here and we need him to get where we want to go.
2: Wow. That's amazing. So you started the Bliss Project seven years ago. I saw all of the posts on Instagram. It looked like an amazing time, such an experience, even more so than the content. I mean, it seemed like a life-changing event for women. So you rolled out this event. Then what was next? Just so people can kind of see how this played out because they might be in the middle of this too.
3: <laughs> you know, events are great. And if we're talking frankly, events are huge moneymakers for many people, if you're doing it right. Like, traffic and conversion is a huge asset and a huge revenue stream. And the second largest revenue stream would be, obviously, the sales off the back end of the event, right? Um, Well, it's supposed to be anyway. And we're maybe, I don't know, a week out from the event or maybe the morning of, but we're like, oh, we need to monetize this. Like, what are we going to do? Like, we sold the tickets, but what else? What can we do for these people? And uh, Chris, do you remember what that was? Yeah, the bliss habit. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So we're like, oh, well, okay, let's try to make something. And so from stage, we basically sold a six-week e-course that we didn't film. We didn't write up. We did nothing except for- It was an idea. Yeah. Except for the idea and the name and the price. You know, That's all we could really do. And uh, then we handed out paper pamphlets for people to sign up, you know, mm-hmm. little checkout forms on on uh-huh.
2: paper. Uh huh. Which I don't know if you can even do today. So
3: <laughs> archaic, right? so <laughs> It's horrible. You you kill a bunch of trees. It's
2: so bad. Right. I think it's against the law now too. Someone came to TNC a few years ago. They were like, you shouldn't be using these.
3: <laughs> it was so normal to us. We're like, well, that's what you do. And we're like, oh, you can actually just have their phones now. (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. uh,
3: So we sold it. And it sold like gangbusters. It was awesome. And so we're like, okay, now let's create this. So in a couple weeks afterwards, we filmed it, put it all together. And that was our first e-course that we've ever created. So it was our first event. And a week later, we've started creating our first e-course that we ever created. And that was the start of it all. It was really awesome. That's That's been our MO, by the way, is we'll like jump out of the plane and build a parachute on the way down.
4: But it works because it puts your back against the wall and you have to deliver. And I think what people are missing sometimes is, number one, the vision of, wait a second, we need something here. What should it be? And then number two, just that blind faith to go ahead and throw it out there and know that you're going to deliver.
2: Yes. I mean, that is how I deliver courses, at least the first time that I produce them. Another reason that I do it that way, number one, it makes me do it, you know, because we've sold it. But I also love it because I usually have students going through the course live with me. So every Wednesday I will teach and then I'll get that live feedback so that I can make the next session even better and more relevant to them. So I think a lot of outsiders that aren't in the internet space would look at this as irresponsible, but I look at it as actually the best way to create a course because not only are you forced to do it, but I think it turns out to be a better product because you're. tune with your customers. You're speaking to their needs right in that moment. But I just love what you guys have done, as I said. And I know since then, there have come books. And Chris, you have a mastermind. We'll tell you guys where to learn more about Chris and, and Nick's business at the end of the episode. But something you said earlier, Chris, really stood out to me. And this is something that has been close to my heart the past year or two. And it's the fact that in business, we are here to serve a market right? And I think that a lot of people, especially digital marketers and people listening to this podcast can get caught up in the numbers and they can get caught up in their own business and what they're selling and why it's the best product or service. And it can almost become an obsession when you're looking at your revenue numbers and how fast you're going to scale. It can become very easy to lose sight of the fact that you are actually here to serve someone. And so before we get into more of your tactical social media stuff. I would just love to hear from you on this because I've heard you talk about this before, and I think it's something that everybody needs to hear.
4: Yeah, well, it's a trap and it's happened to me, right? So let me start with like, like a confession where here's how it kind of happens. You have a couple of wins because you're building products that are truly needed from your heart and you're excited to serve. And so because you're building these products in the beginning from the right place, they turn out to be really successful. While well, this success, unfortunately, then kind of builds up your ego a little bit and builds up your confidence a little bit. And you start to think, wow, I can put almost anything out there and I bet they're going to want this and I bet they're going to want that. And you start putting things out for partially the wrong reason you start doing an e course or you start doing a membership or you start doing something just because you know you can make money with your existing audience and as a secondary thought of course you're going to make it a good quality product and there's the catch there's the trap as soon as that became the secondary thought like well of course i'm going to make it a good product but i know i can make money on this that is when i don't know if it's the energy the authenticity the intent that or all of the above but that all is when above. something is missing and it'll fall flat on its face. And it's happened to us a couple of times. And it's a beautiful thing when it does, because as frustrating as it is in the moment, it brings you back to earth. And it reminds you that you must only create products from a place of serving a need that your audience has first and foremost and everything else secondary.
2: I love it. Beautifully said. And I can look back at my career and times when products or clients or, you know, just a project didn't work out for me. And almost every time, it's because of what you just said. So none of us are immune to this, right? And I think this is just a great reminder. And as you said, too, it can check you pretty fast. It doesn't feel good when that happens. But it's a reminder to go back to a place of serving your market. It's an easy fix. So thank you for that, Chris. So let's dive into more of the tactical social media stuff. As you guys know, we normally talk about paid traffic here on this podcast. But in my opinion, there is still a place for organic traffic. And what I mean by that is not necessarily, okay, let's go spend a bunch of time on organic strategies so that we can drive a half a million free visitors next month, right? I would rather focus that amount of energy on a page strategy that I have more control of, right? But I do think there is a place still, and it's really, I don't think, ever been more important for a brand, whether you are more of a general brand or whether you're a personal brand like you are, Chris. I think there's never been a more important time. For us to authentically build relationships with our audiences through social media. And you are one of the best people that I have seen do this. So I don't know what the best way to go about this is. Maybe we start with, and I know you're on other channels other than Instagram, but maybe we start with, how did you guys start these channels, right? Like, did you start your Instagram and Facebook to build your business? Were these first personal profiles? Like, I know my Instagram was a personal profile. I switched over to a business profile. So how did this sort of start? And what do you think led you guys to the growth and the amount of connection that you have with your audience today? I know those are big questions, so we can split them up, but I just wanna start the conversation.
4: It's such a great conversation because quite honestly, social media is the new media. And I know that sounds like such a generic comment, but what I mean is if you really think about it, the art of paying PR people several thousand dollars a month, hoping to land that one show or the art of hoping to get that big break by getting on something, it's just not as reliable as building a good social media platform that you control. And so to answer your first question, you said, how did I choose what platforms I was going to be on? The answer to that is actually quite intuitive. And and this is where a lot of people go wrong. They think they have to be strong on all the platforms. Mm -hmm. And instead, the answer should be use the one or two platforms that absolutely expose your authentic personality the most, the ones that you're going to show up the most comfortable on, the ones that you're absolutely going to love to log into and put something of quality on there. So for me, it's Instagram. You know, I love the aesthetics of it. I love stories to be able to document my day. I love to be able to do Instagram Lives. Like to me, Instagram speaks to me. Facebook, it doesn't speak to me. So if you Mm -hmm. were to go look at my Facebook, it's actually quite weak and it's run by my team because I Mm -hmm. don't like showing up on Facebook the way I love showing up on Instagram. Same thing with LinkedIn. It's a fantastic resource for many people right now, but it's just not my jam. And so I used to have guilt around letting the other (laughs) ones kind of flounder, but Mm -hmm. now I've learned and, and learned through experience because it pays off just show up on the one or two platforms that you absolutely are going to shine on naturally
2: fantastic. And I feel like, especially the listeners here, and I know I felt this way when I left Digital Marketer and started building out my social platforms. I felt like I had to be posting on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. And I think that almost causes it to become a chore. And so what you're saying is use the platforms that you feel comfortable on. And I think that's probably what makes it not a chore for you and why you come through so authentically on Instagram. Instagram and all of your social platforms, really.
4: So the base of all social media is this. Number one, be follow worthy, right? In other words, Mm -hmm. be interesting enough, offer enough good quality content that people are going to want to and look forward to interacting with you each day. Because if that is not your baseline, I don't care how much paid traffic you have. I don't care how cute and clever your tiles, your videos, any of that stuff is. If it is not something that somebody looks forward to interacting with, then you're going to kind of be dead in the water. The second part to that is that you have to make sure that you are engaging in paid traffic and paid Mm -hmm. interaction as well as that authentic way you show up because you can't have one without the other anymore and expect to grow. And that's kind of where Nick starts to come in really doing a good job of working with some of that paid traffic and making sure that our profiles, when I am being authentic and am being interesting on social media, show up in front of the right eyes. And there's really like a five-step process to our social media strategy that I'm happy to kind of share as we go into this.
2: I would love that. Let's talk about that first and then go into the paid stuff with Nick, because paid is amplification. Right? We're just paying to show more people. But if we miss out on, like, Chris, I look at almost all of your stories, all of your posts, you truly interest me. And there are probably only five people on Instagram that I feel that way towards. So the paid traffic is important, but there's something magical about what you're doing. And I think that's probably, other than what we've already talked about, included in your five step process.
4: So let me just kind of give you the overview and then we'll kind of dig into each one of these. The first and foremost baseline has to be this. You must have such engaging quality information to share that people want to engage with you. We've kind of covered that one already, but I cannot stress that enough because everything else is useless that we're going to talk about without that being your baseline. So make sure you're always wondering, how can I add quality to other people's lives and how can I remain relevant and interesting to other people that want to be Onlookers, because people at the core are very voyeuristic. They want to be onlookers. They want to peer into somebody's life. So you have to make Mm -hmm. that somebody that they're interested in. You have to make that yourself. And so it's a beautiful mix of business content or some kind of content that's going to make them better off for engaging with you. But then also that voyeuristic side of making sure that you are showing any parts of your life that might be interesting to other people.
2: And Chris, really quick, how do you know what to share? How do you know what is interesting? And do you ever worry about letting people in too far?
4: You know, I don't because I I don't have...
2: Me neither. (laughs) Me neither. And maybe that's the key. Yeah. (laughs) If
4: you're holding back, maybe there's something that you need to get out in the open because I just don't care what people see. Like I don't care how far they get into my life. Because Same. whatever they uncover, whatever layers they peel back, it's just me. It's my goofy, nerdy self that loves to offer some you know, good content to people as well. So whether it's insight into my relationship with Lori, whether it's insight into my relationship with my family and my brother, I love when people get to you know, peer in and see those types of things.
2: Of course. Okay, so what's number two?
4: All right, so number two. Now, this one's going to shock you a little bit. But number okay. two plays to the human psychology of things. And that okay. is... The more significant your profile appears, the more people will actually follow you once they land on it. So let's talk about how people Excuse land on your profile.
2: This is something I have acknowledged in myself, Chris, and I watch for my biases when I visit other people's profiles because this is baked into our psychology.
4: We can't help it. We cannot we can't help it. it. So if I went to two of the almost exact same profiles, let's name it, I don't know, Mike and Tim okay? Mm-hmm. If Mike had a business profile with great pictures and great information, and he had like 2,500 followers, or if Tim had a great business profile with cool quotes and you know about the equal amount of content, and he had 250,000 followers, I am 10 times more likely to follow Tim, the second guy, than I am the first guy. And wow. here is why. It is in our natural bias to want to Follow and engage and look in on the lives of those who appear to be doing something more significant. And it's not right. It's not wrong. It just is how we are it built, is. right? It's just this intuitive piece to us. So, using that as a baseline, then to lift the veil on social media, if we're really going to add value to your customers. To lift the veil on social media, you have to engage things such as giveaway contests that you can do with your Mm -hmm. friends or get into other giveaway contests to drive eyes to your social media. You have to engage in paid shout outs from great big pages. You have to engage in paid interaction. This is what Nick does so well, making sure that my best posts show up on other people's stories and other people's feeds. You have mm-hmm. to engage in paid traffic because you have to drive the eyes and get what I call the backfill. And I know that sounds like such a cold term, but get the backfill into your number of followers so that when other people land on it, they say, hey, this must be somebody doing something significant. I'm going to click follow. And so mm. it's one of those catch 22 situations because that's what you want to do when you have a smaller number of followers to begin with, but you don't quite see the value in getting all this paid traffic. And the great irony is you need the paid traffic. And you need to do all those gimmicky things like contests to get followers and all these other things Of course, in, uh, in order to get the other people who you really do want to follow you to follow you. Otherwise, they're going to land on your profile and they're going to say, yeah, hey, it looks like a cool guy or it looks like a cool girl, but they don't look like they're doing anything significant. So I'm not going to click follow.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. I had an experience with this uh, last year. I had someone visit my Instagram page and they messaged me and they said, hey, I heard you on Buffer's podcast. You sound like you really know what you're doing. You really sound like a leader in marketing, but you don't have many followers. I'm surprised. And at first, that triggered me in a big way. I was like, wow, I feel inadequate or I wanted to respond with anger. And I had to step back and say, Molly, this is a bias that's baked into all of us. And what this person doesn't understand is I've spent most of my career building other brands' profiles, you know, and now it's my time to step out and to build mine. But the way that I felt from receiving that message showed me that not only is this real, right, but this is something I should work on. I know that I can go by track. I can buy leads. I can generate customers. But I really do need to focus on increasing my Instagram followers, my Facebook page likers, because people are going to hear about me. They're going to search me on one of those platforms and they're going to make a judgment in a few seconds on whether or not I'm worthy to follow. And a lot of that comes down to that follower count.
4: It's human psychology. It's not right or wrong.
3: It just is what it is. Well, and and this is Nick, it just goes back to that social proof that you talk about on your posts um, of course. you know when you're driving traffic to certain posts it's just that built-in social proof that it helps validate when the people see it. it's like yeah i'm going to like that because other people are liking it and yeah. unfortunately if like chris was mentioning with the catch 22 unfortunately this actually solidifies why number 1 is so important because if you do have a smaller following which we all start at 1 right If you do, which is mom, but if (laughs) um, so, we do have a smaller following. Like I have a very small following on Instagram, which would mean I have to put out, or whoever we're talking about has to put out, extremely great quality stuff that is actually, if we're being blunt, it has to be better than, you know, Kim Kardashian, who's putting out, who has millions of followers, right? I have to put out much, much better content. Although I don't, I probably don't look like Kim Kardashian. So.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he's right. I mean, what he's saying so is so well- true. If you have a small number of followers right now, your content needs to be four times better than mine because people are naturally going to follow me out of significance, right? Because I have a blue check mark and a big number of followers, than somebody who does not have the blue check mark and a smaller number of followers. Again, it's kind of BS, but it's just human psychology. Yep. So once you know the playing field, now you know what game to play.
2: Totally. All right. So what's number three, Chris?
4: All right. So number three is this game where you pay for shout outs from different. uh, Okay. So let's say you look up like millionaire mentor or whatever these weird, you know, uh, luxury travel, all these weird pages. Do you know why they exist with all the millions of followers and beautiful pictures? It's because they're trying to attract a certain demographic, whatever each of their demographics are that they're aiming for, and then monetize that audience for people that want to also attract that demographic. So for example, if I were to, and I don't even know if millionaire mentors is a page, I'm just making this up because it sounds of like course, the other ones out course. there. Of course, of course. So if I were to hire millionaire mentors and they have 5 million followers, guess what kind of followers they're going to have? It's going to be people are looking for millionaire type of uh, pictures and for mentorship and for entrepreneurs and all that. Those are the pages I want to pay to do shout outs for me. And so typically they'll do like a week long campaign where they'll take some of my most popular posts and they'll repost them saying, you know, check out this post from my guy, Chris Harder. You got to go follow him for great tips and they'll put it in their stories. And it's that week-long campaign that will drive a lot of their concentrated, demographic-specific followers to my page and then they end up following me as well. Um, the paid interaction is something Nick does so well. He takes my best posts and I wouldn't be able to do this to save my life because do not hit the <laughs> boost button, by the way. It's like the worst thing you could do. Yes, He yes. takes my best posts and he makes sure that they show up in front of everybody else's profiles as they're scrolling Instagram.
2: I love it. Really quick. So number three, we're talking about basically paid stuff, right? And the first thing that you mentioned was paying other influencers, Chris. And this is really interesting to me. And it's something I don't have a lot of experience in. So really quick, Nick or Chris, who, whoever is best to answer this, I'm assuming that there are thousands of these pages and that there's somewhere that I can go to search. Like say I'm selling you know, dog products. I'm sure there are dog pages that I could go and pay to promote my page, right?
4: Here's what people don't realize. You can either direct message those pages that you would want shout-outs from because the only reason they're in existence is to create you know money by doing these shout-outs mm-hmm. and other sponsorships. So you can message them directly and say, hey, could you send me your rates for shout-outs? But you're going to get like the worst, most inefficient rates ever by doing that. But it's w- <laughs> one way you can do it. Or uh-huh. you can find a broker. Like Most people don't realize there's literally brokers making a ton wow, of money. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, that arrange all these pages, have relationships with all these pages. And so if you go to one of these brokers and say, hey... I really want to grow my entrepreneurs, or I really want to grow a fitness following, or I really want to grow, I don't know, whatever you're into, a basket weaving following. They will then tell you what pages they have that have that demographic and what their insider rates are. And, you know, everyone's kind of getting a cut and that's your best wow. way to do it.
2: Is there a particular broker or a website you guys could recommend for listeners?
4: That's just it. There's not even a website. It's this weird underground world that everyone's okay. operating in. So here's the truth. When People are working so hard to grow their Instagram. They're like, I don't get it. My page looks beautiful. My information is good. Why Mm -hmm. aren't I growing and everybody else is? They don't understand it's not a fair playing field because they just Mm -hmm. haven't met the guy who knows the broker yet. Like it's literally this who you know, not what you do world on Instagram right now. And that's just the truth Mm -hmm. of it. Like I hope that I'm relieving some stress from people that are saying, why isn't it working for me and why is it working Mm -hmm. for other people? Because it's mm-hmm. not a fair playing field until you discover these things. So, I had to get a recommendation for my broker through a friend of mine that was using one as well. So, you know, if you guys hey. were to shoot me a DM, I'm Chris W. Harder on Instagram. I'm more than happy to give a referral to a couple of guys I know. That's but so nice. It's literally this weird underground world of knowing people that do this.
2: Well, it makes sense. And they probably don't want to be found by Instagram. Not that they're doing something inherently wrong, but it makes sense that they wouldn't promote this you know, directly. And Chris, that's so awesome that people can DM you. I also love what you said about go and search for big pages in your market. That's not hard to do. Shoot them a DM and start a conversation. You might even be able to work out some sort of trade with that page, depending on what they're needing in their business at the time. And then the second part of that, Chris, what I love, you started talking about don't boost the posts, you know, so for some of your best posts, I assume that you post them on Instagram. And if you notice that right out of the gate, they're getting a lot of momentum, then you guys decide to put ad dollars behind them. So Nick, how does that work? What's your process for that?
3: Yeah, for sure. So just to piggyback on what Chris was saying about uh, like the brokers and the the larger pages, So, if you're just starting off, don't let that discourage you that you're like, oh, well, it's pay to play. I'm screwed, right? You can organically do that. You can search them. You can find smaller pages. Maybe there's, you know, maybe you've got a thousand and you find a page that's only doing a hundred thousand or has a hundred thousand followers. They're still important. And that just means they're going to be cheaper. Or maybe they'll just do it for free if you're going to trade with them. Because they care as well, right? So That's the great. Everybody people, wants
2: more followers. Yes. <laughs> so the
3: 100,000 people would be interested. Obviously, they're trying to get to 200, right? Or to a million. And they're going to be interested in your 1,000 people that are following you too. Because you have an organic, you have a super organic reach with those people typically so don't be afraid of dming people one-on-one and uh, reaching out to people like that and offer them something in exchange other than money that you have maybe you have time maybe you have a creative edge where you can make really beautiful posts for them so don't just automatically dismiss it because you think it's just money that they're after so you can see the insights if you don't know you can look into your insights on your pages and you can see which posts Are getting more engagement than the others that are organic. And so you can do this at any level. And if you're seeing, you know, one post is getting 50, 75% more likes and engagements and comments, obviously the people are resonating with that post. So my ad dollars are going to be a lot better spent on that post and quote unquote boosting it. But of course, we know to do it the proper way under Ads Manager and Facebook, but to do it the proper way and to actually put ad dollars behind. Now, whatever you want to spend on that post is is great because it's going to reach new people. And it doesn't, you know, there's, (laughs) believe it or not, we've spent very little ad dollars on Chris's brand. And I can share, once we get into traffic, I can share a little bit more, but you'd be absolutely shocked on how much, how little we actually spent on that brand. But to back that up, Just go into your insights, look for the posts that are really engaging with people more and getting more traction, and those are the ones that you're going to want to boost and put a little bit more ad spend behind it than the others, because obviously the others just aren't as good for some reason.
2: Of course, love it. And one more question that I have: When you're you're looking at the posts that are getting you know the most reach, um, and those are the ones that you're deciding to put ad dollars behind. But when you're working, for example, with an influencer and they're promoting you, do you have? any strategy or tips around the types of posts that you send them or the types of content that you send them? And is your goal usually to just get more followers? Are you guys trying to like send them to an email form? Or I might be overcomplicating this, but what do you give this person that you're paying to promote your page?
4: They're typically going to look at your page and they're going to choose from your page and they're just okay. literally just going to take your best post in their mind that fit their brand and then they share it in their stories. Yeah, so once you pay them you're pretty much done.
2: Okay, I'm thinking like we got to write ad copy, we have gotta set up a new URL. <laughs> I'm it's, it's way, it's over way more simple it. than
4: pe- yeah, that's exactly it's way more simple <laughs> than people tend to make it. And to answer your other part of the question, we're just going for pure followers because followers on Instagram are, are street cred these days, right? Of course. And the blue check mark and- on Instagram is street cred these days.
2: And you can retarget those people, right? It would be a huge mistake to try to make the goal, let's get followers and email leads and customers. And this is a mistake that I know I've made and a lot of my listeners have made when they've done, you know, influencer marketing is that they're trying to get too much out of it. Guys, your goal is just to get the followers. You're getting the introduction, right? It's like Chris introducing someone to me. Now I can build that relationship. So Chris generates the followers. Now he continues to build the relationship with these people through more posts, more stories. He's able to target them with ads later in the future. So don't ask too much from this too soon.
4: Yep. You got to play that patient game.
2: Of course. All right. Love it. What's number four?
4: I'll give you one more thing on number three.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
4: You you do everything you can to get the blue check mark.
2: Yes and by the way guys, this is amazing, just so you guys know like this is an incredible episode but yeah, tell us about the blue check mark.
4: Here's what happens is the blue check mark, and I would say getting to 10,000 followers are the two most important possible things that you can do on Instagram. And I know this is an Instagram heavy conversation right now, but quite honestly that's where all the action is, right cool. So the blue check mark is a result of you getting a significant amount of outside media. That's it, that's all there is to it. And so that blue check mark, when people land on your Instagram page, it is sometimes the decision maker of, ooh, they're significant and I'm going to follow them or not, regardless of how many followers you have. And so all you have to do is spend six to nine months. And again, this is where patient comes in, patients, six to nine months, reaching out to find media that wants to share your story, that wants to share your tips, that wants to share the value that you have. People don't believe this, but things like entrepreneur mag online and Forbes online and all these other seemingly huge, significant resources that they think would be impossible to get into. They're looking for people to write about because they have so many contributors. So all you have to do is find the contributors to those magazines, pitch what you have to add as value. They're looking for stories. And as soon as you have a handful of those that are published out there, you can then submit yourself. For your blue checkmark, this is also new. Wow. In the past, you had to be submitted by somebody else, it's like a PR agency. Now, wow. you can submit yourself right on Instagram through Facebook to get your blue checkmark and sending them the links to all of the media that you've gotten. And they do a quick judgment call of, is this enough significant media or not? And sometimes you'll get denied your first couple of times, but you just keep getting more media and submit, get more media and submit. And if somebody is really intentional about this, there's probably no scenario where they couldn't have their blue check mark in six to nine months for sure.
2: Wow. That's incredible information. I didn't know you could apply for them. And I had no idea that it had to do with media. I thought it was a judgment call on Facebook and Instagram's part. I thought they were just scrolling around Instagram deciding who was going to get a blue check. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea it had to do with media. Wow. Okay.
4: People don't realize. And so there yeah. is a system to You everything. control
2: that. <laughs> yeah.
4: If you want to be intentional about this, you control whether or not you are Let's call it blue mark worthy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> blue check status. Wow. Cool. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. So what's number four?
4: All right. So number four is the amount of interaction that you put into your audience. It does no good to have 100,000 followers if they are not engaged and you're not interacting with them on a regular basis. You know, you need to make sure that the algorithm is working in your favor. And unfortunately, this takes good old fashioned Time, like you, you, there's no shortcutting this. You know, there's no type of robo comments. There's no type of robo followers. None of that garbage. All that stuff is going to hurt you. That's only going to hurt the algorithm, and you're not going to be showing up on anybody's anything. So, for example, when I post a brand new comment, I will. I'm sorry, brand new post. I will not post it until I know that I've got 15 to 30 minutes after that to respond to all the comments that happened in the beginning, because that's how you build momentum behind the post. And the second thing I'll do is when I respond to comments, many times I'll respond with a question to get them to comment back because the more commenting back and forth, the algorithm reads that as, ooh, this must be a significant post that more people want to see. So I'll give you an example. If I posted something and somebody said, "Uh, wow, that's awesome advice. My comment back to them might be, thank you so much. Give me one example on how you're going to use this advice going forward. And then when they comment back with that example, Now Instagram is saying, wait a second, this is a back and forth volley with multiple people. This must be a significant post that more people want to see. And so you have to have good old-fashioned interaction on your posts and in your DMs. The more that you can get someone to DM you and the more that you'll respond, the more that your stuff will show up when they open up their feed. It's just another beautiful form of interaction. Same thing with stories. And the newest hack right now is Instagram wants everybody to be using their IGTV as the equivalent of Facebook watch, right? So they are now rewarding everybody who will do a video on watch, share it as a post on your normal feed. And after 59 seconds of that video, it'll say, continue watching. And it'll direct that person to Instagram watch, to Instagram TV. Sorry, we're mixing them up here.
2: <laughs> so um,
4: here's here's the hack is go ahead and throw a few videos up on IGTV Turn it into a 59-second post and make sure that first 59 seconds is so damn engaging and interesting that they click yes on continue watching. And the more that you can get people to do that, then the more that they are going to uh, reward you by making sure your stuff shows up in front of everybody.
2: Wow. This makes logical sense based off of how Facebook and Facebook ads work. You know, like Nick mentioned earlier, the more social proof, the better that your ad's going to perform. But I'm even looking at my Instagram right now and I don't respond to people's comments. I don't respond to a lot of the DMs that I get because I just don't have time. And just from this last little clip of what you said, Chris, I do now have time for that. And th- this is important now.
4: This is so bad, but I, If I responded to you in a DM, then and I've made a promise to respond to all my DMs, by the way, that's another thing is when your audience knows that you've made this promise to them and you demonstrate that you'll keep it, then they engage that much more. But if you've gotten a DM from me, there's a 50-50 chance that that was from the toilet. Like You have to make sure you're (laughs) making time in order to interact with everybody. You can't just let it go to the wayside And and expect to be rewarded with engagement.
2: And Chris, something that I love that you said at your mastermind, I have this problem too, and I've been more aware of it since I heard you said this, say this, but someone asked you, how do you manage your DMs? I open a lot of them and then forget to answer. And you said that you do not go in and read DMs unless you're in a place where you can commit at least a few minutes to responding.
4: Yeah, I literally use it as a to-do list. So if it's marked unread. That is the equivalent of having something to do on your to-do list.
2: And you're not opening them and uh, forgetting that they're there. This is great. And this is how you get more of that organic traffic, guys. This is probably why I see every one of Chris's posts or stories the minute that they happen, because you have so much engagement built up here. Anything else on number four, guys?
4: I would say this. There is a form of paid interaction that, uh, once again, most people don't know about. Now, this is not paid interaction on your posts. This is where while you are sleeping, there are people that have set up VAs that will go in to targeted profiles. So if you're trying to target entrepreneurs, you're trying to target digital marketers, or you're trying to target fitness people, and literally comment and like on all of their profiles on a regular basis, true and organic, good comments. You know, it's no different than you doing it, except you're sleeping and it's it's a VA doing it. And by doing this, it also increases engagement and increases the chance that they're gonna be like, wow, this guy comments on a lot of my stuff. I should go Mm. check him out. I've seen him a few times now. And when they go check out your profile, they like what they see and they'll click follow. So that's another little hack that most people don't realize that many people are doing out there.
2: Yep. Great tip. And it's still a real human, you know, commenting. So awesome. All right. So number five, last one here.
4: Number five, this will surprise people. It has nothing to do with actual social media itself. It has everything to do with what happens outside of social media. So what I mean by that is this, do you have enough quality content that is causing people to share it to their social media, you know, videos, podcast episodes, quotes, books, eBooks, you know, whatever it might be. There's many ways you can serve. Do you podcast. have enough, podcasts? Totally. Do you have enough yeah. quality content that is so good that it's causing other people to share it on their social media and tag you? So every day that I wake up uh, or every time that I open up my DMS, there's probably 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 tags of people sharing my podcast episode. Listening to this episode. It's so good. Thank you, Chris W. Harder, right? What mm-hmm. that does is because that's in their stories all of their 500 or 1,000 or 10,000 friends, then check out, well, who's this Chris guy that she's listening to? And they land on your profile and they click follow. So do you have enough content outside of your Instagram, outside of your Facebook, that is causing people to share it to their social media, driving people to yours? Mm,
2: That's great. Chris, do you have any tips around asking people to share. I feel like that's something you're good at. <laughs> I've started to notice that I'm getting messages and tags of people that hear me speak or you know, they're listening to the podcast, they're reading something. And I enjoy that, but I know that I could probably ask for more of those and get more distribution. Do you have a strategy around that?
4: Well, the bottom line is you get what you ask for in life. Right, So you have mm-hmm. to be an unapologetic asker. You know, hey, if you love this episode, please make sure you share it with your friends. Please make sure you let me know what you like and what you don't like. Please make sure you DM me uh, your greatest takeaway. I do those types of things all the time to create engagement. And of course, people follow suit because you get what you ask for in life. If you want to take it a step further, every once in a while, you can do small giveaways. Right, So you could say, Hey, to the first five people that DM me about this, I'll send you my ebook or to the first five people that loved this interview, I'll send you this, right? And it doesn't have to be an expensive anything. People just love gifts. And that again, Mm -hmm. causes engagement. It causes people to share things or to the first five people that share this episode on their social media and tag me, I'll send you this gift or I'll do this thing for you. And so you need to make sure that you are directing people how to act because people want direction. They want to know what they should be doing with your content.
2: Absolutely. And then my last question, well, I I might have a few more, but the most important one and probably what my listeners, what our listeners are thinking right now. Okay, I understand the goal here. I know we're building this social presence. But how have you seen that translate into your business, Chris? Like, I know that you post a lot about your events, right? And you post about your podcast. I mean, you're using this profile to promote stuff that actually makes you money. But do you have any specific, I guess I would call them monetization strategies that you use to really turn your followers into buyers?
4: Yeah. You can use your social media, number one, to let your buyers or let your followers know that you have something to buy. And then that's reinforced by what Nick does when he creates our lookalike audiences, when he works it Mm -hmm. into our marketing campaign. All we're doing is really just assisting his efforts by catching some of the eyes that he may not be able to catch in some of those efforts. And also your social media is your greatest way to create urgency when your cart is closing, or when you're running out of seats, or whatever type of urgency you're trying to create. Because people will just kind of be an onlooker to your launch, or kind of an onlooker to your program, until they see that time is running out, or spots are running out, or there's one day left, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you really ramp up that urgency on your social media, and it becomes a very powerful closing tool, that again, assists the, your digital marketers' efforts. It's, it's almost like a dance. you know. So Nick is probably responsible for 80% of the sales, And maybe 20% of the sales are coming from me just kind of adding fuel to the fire or awareness to his efforts.
2: Right. And the biggest benefit, though, is that, Nick, you now have these huge warm audiences to play with for your campaigns, which we know are so valuable. You know, Chris has almost 200,000 followers. Lori has at least that many. So I would say that between not just followers, but people that engage with Chris and Lori on Instagram that you can retarget. I mean, you probably have well over a million people that right now we could set up an ad And target, and they actually know who you are.
3: Yeah, they do such an amazing job on their social media that they give me the tools as far as the content goes to be able to, you know, like I said, boost those and it really warms up the audience. And, you know, Gary Vee says it best, right? Jab, 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 right hook. And Mm -hmm. Chris and Lori, they just continue to give and give and give good content, whether it's, tactical whether it's entertaining whether it's humorous whether it's waffles right a dog. right exactly i mean well that's a slam dunk right you put a dog in anything of course of course
2: <laughs>
3: you know whether they're giving tactical stuff or you know entertaining or whatever you have their attention you have their eyes and now when i put something in front of them that is more directed as a direct ask and with some actionable items you know like a swipe up or a join the webinar et cetera, right those are infinitely better off or uh, infinitely better received than if i was just throwing those things up and they weren't doing their part to create organic views
2: Yeah, so well said. I mean, guys, I think that everything you've shared today, it's not just about social media. This is business in 2019. Consumers, they want this authentic relationship from brands and people that they're buying from. And this really isn't an option any longer. I I would go as far to say that. This is something that you must be spending your time on, whether you have a personal brand, whether you're selling notebooks building that relationship with prospects and customers, that's going to make everything else that we talk about on this show, you know, your your Facebook ads, your funnel, none of that matters without what we've talked about here today. So thank you so much, guys. Any last thoughts? Anything else you want to add in? I know this is kind of a long episode, but worth hearing every word here.
3: And just to back up what you were saying was, when you are interacting with your audience, it makes the money that you spend that much better. So, uh, you know, I I promised, I would tell you guys how much we spent on Chris's brand. Yeah. You're gonna freak, it's $21,000 only.
2: Wow, wow, you would think it's 2 million.
3: (laughs) And and to put it in perspective, the mastermind, we have a couple masterminds, one of them is uh, our higher level elite mastermind, and that's $30,000 per person. So, you know, it's not that the money's not there to spend it. It's we're just really conscious about doing it. So, what does that do? That helps the people who only want to spend. a month, it's going to allow you to spend that money in a much more efficient way. And you guys do such an amazing job about talking about this in your previous episodes, you know, about kind of the flow. So, right. So, your cold traffic, you need to be warming them up with not just direct asks, but with good content and then retargeting them with direct asks. So, that conversion is a lot less. Maybe it's a dollar versus five dollars per conversion, whatever your conversion is. So, that's just a huge thing. So even if you're only spending a a very small amount of money, it's even that much more important for you to really bootstrap it and to be organic and create that organic engagement as well.
2: Totally. Everything we've talked about on this episode is what you should be doing to cold traffic to build that audience that we know is so important. Chris, anything else you want to add? Thank you guys so much again for doing this.
4: Yeah, I would add this. Every single tip we gave, whether it's paid or unpaid traffic, no matter what your agenda is, it has to originate from a place of service. And this comes full circle Mm. to where we started this conversation. If they can tell your profile is not coming from a place of service and generosity and love, they're not going to follow it. Energetically, it's not going to match them. If they can tell that your ads are not coming from a place of service or love, they're not going to click by. They're not going to opt in. So make sure everything you're doing, don't fall into that trap that I was describing earlier that happens to all of us once in a while. Everything has to originate from this place of service to your audience. And when it does, the money you spend, everything else will be that much more efficient.
2: Wow. Thank you, guys. Again, this is one of my favorite episodes to date. So thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? I know we have your Instagram, Chris, if you want to go ahead and reiterate that or any other places or products that you'd like to tell the audience about.
4: Well, the best place to follow me, Chris, is Chris W. Harder on Instagram. (laughs) I've made that promise to make sure I answer anybody's DMs that shoots me a DM. And on top of that, go check out my podcast, ForTheLoveOfMoney.com
2: awesome. You can see everything we talked about here in action on Chris's profile. All right, guys. Thanks again, Chris, Nick. Can't wait to have you back on the show. Thank you to all of our listeners. So grateful that you decided to spend your time with us this week. And we will talk again next week. Bye, guys. Uh, thank, thank you so much.
0: Are you still focused on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and the holiday shopping season, when probably what you should be doing is keeping an eye out towards the plan that you have for 2024? Now, we here at Perpetual Traffic want to help you make 2024 the best business year you've ever had online and help you do that through everything that we talk about here on this podcast. Well, for 10 lucky businesses, we are going to offer, through the end of the year, January 1st is our cutoff date. We are offering 10 free audits for 10 lucky businesses. We will go through everything from all of your ad spend on all your social platforms. We'll do everything on your website, analyze all your CRO, as well as look at your data, how you're tracking, as well as look at your email sequences, everything associated with your digital marketing, wrap it up into an audit, give you a score and tell you exactly where you most need to improve. And we are offering this to 10 businesses for free through the end of the year. In order to get your free audit, head on over to tier11.com, fill out the application, and make mention in the actual notes section that you heard about this promo for the free audit on perpetual traffic, and we'll bump you to the front of the line. Now, this is for 10 businesses only. We have a limit of 10. We literally do not have more capacity to be able to do more than that because I actually do have to give my people between Christmas and New Year's off, so they've got to work really quickly. So the quicker you can get this and submit it, the better, and we're going to take the first 10 that apply. So make sure you head over to tier11.com forward slash audit. For your free audit, we will look at every aspect of your digital marketing, give you a rating, and then give our recommendations as to what you can improve so you have the best year ever in 2024.